Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please send us an email and let us know at impact at jfc.org. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at jfc.org. Click on the Give link and help us bring messages just like this one to you every week. Today's message is from our series, The Book of Acts. We will be diving deep into Acts and looking at eyewitness accounts of the Holy Spirit and asking ourselves, can these same miracles happen in our church today? It's going to be an amazing series you won't want to miss. Hi church, welcome, glad that you're here this weekend. I'm excited to be back. We had a great vacation, but it's time to get back and we're excited to be here and excited to, uh, to be with you. I don't know if you've ever me, heard me tell the story of uh, how we check every year that God is still um, having us in this place and still leading. But uh, years and years ago, we planted the church. We planted at a time where there were several other church planters that were doing the same thing. There was a couple that had moved here from California uh, literally almost the same month that we had moved down here to start the church. They started in the same area, uh, and they were uh, on their vacation after their first year, had gone back to California. They were driving back into the Denver area, and I think most of you will recognize this. There's a place on I-70 right when you pass Genesee. You can look down and see the whole front range and see the city of Denver, and it's really, it's just beautiful. And uh, my friend who had planted the church told me they'd just come back after their first year. It had been a rough go. Every, every church planner has the church planting blues at times. And they were going through it. They drove over the hill, looked down on the city, and uh, his wife bursts into tears and just tells him right then and there that she hates Denver, doesn't want anything to do with it, and uh, she was sorry that they ever came here. Um, of course, you know, that was pretty much the end of the line, and uh, he knew they were going back to California. Uh, that kind of stuck in my heart, and I thought, wow, that's a, that's a pretty stiff litmus test. So every year when Chris and I are coming back from our vacation, we generally drive. Uh, you can do this from 285. You can do it on I-70. You can actually do it uh, coming down from the mountain several different places. This year, we're coming back up 285. We hit a place on 285 where you can look down right before you come into Denver and see the whole city. And every time we do this, I always look over at her and I just ask her, is it still our city? Uh, good news. She looked at me and smiled and said, hey, we're still supposed to be here. So I want you to know for at least one more year, we're going to be here at JFC. I'm teasing. It'll be many more years than that. Okay. Uh, we're in a series on the book of Acts. Uh, I wanted to uh, very quickly, uh, the last two weeks, both Pastor Marcus and Kate Matat taught. They did an awesome job and I wanted to thank them uh, for their efforts. They both have great teaching gifts on their lives, uh, and I, I'm just very grateful that they would fill in for me uh, and, and be part of our teaching team so that I can take a break. And, and obviously, they're, they're, they're doing a great job, and it's wonderful to have a diet of uh, multiple teachers. Uh, before we begin, I've got two quick announcements that I need to make. You saw us advertise for our very first ever marriage conference. I want you to know we have um, the couple that we have doing this, Eric and Rachel Dufour, are uh, two of the best. I was going to say two of the best that I know. They're the two best that I've ever met when it comes to ministering to marriages. They have a true gift and an anointing like no one I've ever met before. Uh, God sent them to us from France and planted them here in this church. I, I think it's partly because of the anointing this church has to minister and to teach marriages. But we've asked them, they, they travel literally around the world every year, uh, sought after speakers to teach on marriage. Uh, we have watched them here in our church 
do some incredible things in the restoration of marriages, the healing of marriages, but really the strengthening of marriages. So we approached them uh, late last year, and we asked them would they do this conference for us, and they've agreed to do it. So we really have pulled off a big coup. But I want to make sure you understand, this is not just for people trying to get their marriages right. This is for people who want to have the best marriage they can possibly have. It's, uh, it's an opportunity for you to invest in maybe the greatest thing uh, in this life that God has given you beyond your salvation, and that's your spouse. And I just want to encourage you, make sure and make this a priority. All of the pastors are going to be there. We, uh, we all see it as a huge investment on our part. We want to strengthen our marriages, and I want to encourage you to be a part of that too. And then the second thing would just be this, and if you've got a pen, uh, I'm going to talk about this for the next couple of weeks to remind you, but I want to tell you, uh, we're going to start a new series in August, and I think it may be the most important series that I've ever taught in this church. Uh, we literally are going to uh, begin to deal with how do Christians, how do believers survive in a culture that is not a Christian culture? And I realize that many of us grew up at a time when the nation, the United States in particular, very much was called a Christian nation. And while I still think that there's a majority of Christians here, uh, we can see in our government, uh, in our laws, and in the culture around us that things are not going the way that uh, believers would, uh, would, would choose and would have it uh, done. And I don't see that as something that's just a temporary. I think it's the state of the world today and where our country is going. So the thought just simply is this. How do believers not only, uh, not only make it, but how do they prosper when the government goes in a different direction, when the society is in a, in a different place? And so we look, the Bible actually, this is not something new, uh, throughout the Old Testament and even in uh, the first century church, you had people who lived under authorities and governments who were very wicked and anti-God, and yet the Lord himself used believers in order to change the hearts of people so that it changed the laws and it changed uh, the way things were set up. And so really, it's, uh, it's a series that I want to encourage you right now. We're going to talk about, I think God's given me some great insight into how to position ourselves in the coming days, not only to, to do well and survive, but to be able to, to make a difference. And so I just want to encourage you, we're going to call it unorthodox. It'll start in August. You might want to invite friends to this. Make sure you're there and a part of it too. All right, uh, enough of these things. Let's jump in. It, it's, uh, it's called uh, the book of Acts. Uh, if in your Bible you've got um, a more of a complete study Bible, when you look up uh, the, the book of Acts, it'll actually say the Acts of the Apostles. And here's what it means. It simply is recording from the very first century when the church began, it's recording what the apostles did, all of their acts, all of their, their deeds, how God moved mightily amongst them. Now, we look at that, we can see it two ways. Wow, look at them and look at what God used to do. Or we can understand this is our heritage. This is what the church is supposed to look like. And the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever still wants to move like that amongst his people. So as we read these things, I know you've been encouraged, I want to say it one more time, be reading the book of Acts while we're teaching on these things because we want it to build faith in you, expectation in you. Uh, today, here's where we're going to go. Uh, I'm going to use Acts chapter 8, uh, the story of Philip and a eunuch. It's a really interesting story. Uh, it's Acts chapter 8, 26 through 40. Uh, if you want to follow along with me, I titled the message, Be Led by the Spirit. Be Led by the Spirit. So here's how it reads. Uh, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Those of you who have been to Israel with us know what this looks like and how you go down from Jerusalem. You're at elevation and you go down. So uh, the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian 
eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace. And her name means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you were reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him right then and there. When they came up out of the water, this is interesting, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached the town of Caesarea. So I realize it's a little bit long passage, but I wanted to use it to explain some things. Uh, this, this passage, why I picked this this weekend to teach on, when we're going through the book of Acts, I'm actually, uh, I'm a chapter behind where Marcus taught uh, from last weekend. And it's not uh, an intentional thing like we're just skipping all over the place. We're trying to start from the beginning and work our way to the end. But just simply, this is what happened. Uh, when I uh, returned from vacation this week, I was working uh, out in my yard, obviously being gone. You've got all the yard work that needs to be done. And I began to work in my yard. Uh, and there was an incident that took place. And the Holy Spirit really did something in my heart. And as I, I just, uh, I was amazed at what, what had happened. But it reminded me of this story. And I felt like God had connected me to the two things. So I wanted to use it. I just felt like it was the Holy Spirit's direction. So uh, here, here's the situation. Uh, in your notes, I titled it um, the, the Fence Wars of 2000. We, we bought our house in the year 2000. We've lived in it for 15 years. It was a brand new house, new construction. Everything had to be done to it. All of the, the, the inside of the house, the outside of the house. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, literally, grass, fences, everything. And so uh, at, at that time, behind us uh, were, was new construction, too, and uh, we had wanted to put a fence up. And in Highlands Ranch, the way that it works, we live in Highlands Ranch, many of you do, the way that it works, the first one that puts their fence up wins the battle. Uh, in other words, if, if you get your fence up first and it looks a particular way, everybody else has to have the same kind of fence. No one, you can't double fence. You can't put your own fence in. So the neighbor behind me put in a split rail fence uh, and it did not work because we had pets and we had kids and we wanted to fence them in. We wanted our own little, uh, we moved to, you know, Highlands Ranch for the wide open spaces. So we, we, uh, we that's a joke. So we, we get into our house and um, this guy puts up a little split rail fence. Well, before I could do anything about it, um, he, he wins the battle. And so I, um, I thought, well, I, I'm just going to go ahead and double fence anyway. What, what does he care? So I actually had the guy come out, and as he was putting the fence in, he drilled the post holes. He, uh, he put the posts in, poured the cement, and uh, the next day he was going to come back and put up all the, all the, uh, the fence boards. 
And uh, that morning when I got up, I saw uh, two big pieces of paper attached to the posts. And basically what it was written on it is, uh, you cannot double fence and I will have the fence torn down if you put it up. And I knew immediately it was the neighbor behind me. So, of course, you know, you can imagine um, it, it didn't sit right with me. But what I did hadn't sat right with him. And rather than go up and apologize to the guy or try to negotiate with the guy, uh, it starts the great cold war of, of, uh, of my neighborhood. And so uh, that guy has his allies and I have my allies and all the people around me that want to put up a regular fence versus the people that want to put up a split rail fence. And so this goes on. And so literally here's what happened. Um, rather than negotiate and, and make nice with this guy, the Cold War literally happened. Everybody else puts up a regular fence except this one little part where this guy has a split rail fence up, and it really is, uh, it's a pain, and it looks weird, and um, we, we wouldn't even talk to each other. That's how weird, the, if I was outside and they came out, I would go in. Uh, if they were outside and I came out, they would go, and it just, it lasted like this for 15 years. All right, so uh, forgive me for taking all the time to tell the story. Get back from my vacation, um, we, we literally have not in 15 years uh, had a conversation with these people since that first week that we, that we moved in. That's to my own shame. Uh, I'm out there working on the lawn, cutting the grass, and I look up, and um, the, the lady that lives in the house, I noticed that she was wearing a baseball cap, and her hair was gone. And I just quickly, I realized she, she obviously had gone through chemotherapy. And while I, I just was there and on all the 15 years and everything's just kind of in front of me and I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, uh, I want you to go pray for her. And I just was, oh, I was so reluctant to do it. I was so like, you, you have got to be kidding. Anybody, I'll go pray for anybody, but don't make me go pray for this person. It's, they, they beat me in the fence deal. And I, and I know it sounds stupid, but I, I, I just wrestled with the Lord for a few minutes and I said, okay, if you set this up, I don't know how to do this. I don't even know how to bridge this conversation. I don't know how to make this happen. But if you set this up and make it possible, I will pray. So I, I get the lawnmower, and I'm going real slow, and she's trimming her roses right by the fence, that fence. And um, I, I, I cut the lawnmower off, but right when I do, her phone rings. So she goes up in the house, and I feel like maybe what the Lord was just doing was uh, it was a, a, an Abraham Isaac thing. Maybe he just wanted me to make the effort to make the sacrifice but didn't really want me to pray for her. And, of course, right then she walks back out of the, the house. So I'm looking at her and she's looking at me and I just I, I said, hi, how are you? Uh, and she said, uh, well, actually I'm not doing too good. Uh, I've just gone through uh, six months of chemotherapy. And I knew right then that the Lord was, was up to something. So I just listened to her, and she began to open her heart, and she began to just pour out. She, she actually said, 2015 uh, has been the worst year of our life. She recounted several things. Um, but I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was prodding me. So I just said, hey, do you believe uh, in, in the power of God to heal people? And she stopped. I mean, imagine how this, the 15 years, the fence, there's no relate, just the whole thing. And she said, I actually, going through what I've gone through, she said, I do believe in the power of prayer. And I said, not just prayer, but in God's ability to heal. And she said, I, I think I do believe that. And I said, well, would you be okay if I prayed for you? And she reaches her hands over the fence and says, please come and pray for me. So I, I, I got up and I went up to her and I, I grabbed her hands. And I just begin to pray. And she's weeping. She just begins to weep. And of course, in my heart, I'm seeing her and this whole thing happens and the Holy Spirit and I, I, I'm crying and it's just this really powerful moment just in the Holy Spirit and, and it's just great and I pray for her healing. We get done and she says, how long have you lived in this house? 
And I said, I, I have lived in this house. I'm the original owner. And she says, you're the guy that, that with the fence? And I said, yeah, that's, I'm that guy. I said, have you ever done something that you wished you hadn't done and were embarrassed about? She said, many times in my life, I said, this fence is one of those things, and I am so sorry and so regretful. And I said, the truth of the matter is, my heart should have been where it is now and not stuck over a fence. Well, I mean, in moments, the Holy Spirit just mended something that in 15 years the devil had tried so, so hard to drive a wedge. And it really was just a powerful ministry time. I actually ended up talking to her for over an hour. It was just, a, it was just an incredible thing. All right, get done with all of that. I go back inside, I sit down, and I ask the Holy Spirit, what, you know, what was that? What, what, what was going on? Here's what I felt like the Lord said to me. He said, you hear from me very, very clearly, number one, which I was just grateful for. But number two, I felt like the Lord said this, I'm pleased that you would be obedient to me, and when you're obedient to me, look what happens in the kingdom of God. And it reminded me just of this story right here. It's the same type of a story where God had just simply led someone to do something. And when we're obedient, when we let the Holy Spirit speak to us, when, when we recognize his voice, when we're willing to be bold, there's so many things that God can do in the kingdom of God. And so I want to use that example in this story. Just simply, here's, here's what I, I would teach you, these five things. There are five things to be. Not, not to do, but to be. Not, not to go home and to try to practice, but these are who we should be. It should come from deep inside of us because of who God is in our life. So the first one, just simply using that passage of Scripture from Acts 8, 26 through 40, the first one is just simply this, to fill in the blank. Be ready. Look at what this says right here. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, and look at this. It doesn't give any delay of time. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian unit. The Lord didn't tell him who he was going to meet, didn't tell him why he wanted him to go. He just simply said, go. And Philip was ready to go. One of the things I was taught early on in ministry, and we still use it today, as a pre-qualifier for people who want to get involved in a leadership role, is to be faithful, available, and teachable. An acronym, F-A-T, FAT, be fat. Faithful, available, and teachable. You can have people who are faithful and you can have people who are teachable. But here in our society, it's one of the most critical ones. If you're not available, you're not able to be used in the way that God wants you to be used. Think about that. And many of us are so jammed in our schedules and so jammed with all the stuff that doesn't matter that we're never available for the Holy Spirit to do things. And we're always praying, God, use me. I want to see great things happen. I want the book of Acts to be real in my life. And availability is the key to this issue. God wants you to be available. The pre-qualifier, the thing that makes you like, can God use you? Listen to me. The biggest thing, be available. It trumps education. It trumps ability. It trumps most. Be available. Be ready. So let me give you the second one, just simply from that scripture, the fill in the blank, be listening. Look at verse 29 right here. I know this is simple, but look at this. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Jesus said this, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they don't listen to. So many people today say, I don't know if I'm hearing the voice of God. Let's, let's separate this very quickly. Okay. First of all, your natural disposition is not to think I'm going to go pray for someone or I'm going to go out of my way to do something for someone or I'm going to lay down my life. The devil is not telling you, lay down your life for someone or pray for someone. So what voice would that be if you ever feel 
the, the charity of God in your heart, the kindness, if you ever feel like God wants to do some miraculous, what, that's the voice of God. It's not some natural thing. We don't think that way. And when you hear those things, man, be, sometimes we dismiss so quickly the thoughts of God that come into our head. We, ju we just think about them and we don't grasp them. We don't hold on to them. Be listening. Learn to just simply go, that's God, and I'm going to do that thing right there. Listening is huge. I would say of all the things that have made me successful, if, if there's anything that I, I can look at when I judge it by my mind, what has made us successful? It's not, uh, it's not numerics. It is, it is not uh, 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 giving. It is none of, here's what it is. When I think in my life, every time God has told me to do something, I can think to myself, I, I said yes, I was, I was, listen to me, ready, and I was listening. Listening is a huge issue. Let me give you the third thing that I think comes out of the scripture that's really important. The fill in the blank, be obedient. All right, listen, this, this becomes important right now. These, these next two points are, are the biggest things. If you are ready, and if you are listening, those two things are not enough to make it happen. You still have to be obedient. Most of us will hear something from God, but then we're afraid to be obedient. Something gets in the way. It's inconvenient or we're, we're worried about what people will think or it's just like, you know, how am I going to do this? The truth of the matter is, man, you've got to be obedient. You've got to step into what God says. Look at the scripture on this right here. Philip ran up to the chariot. Remember, the Spirit of God told him to go to the chariot. Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. He was just obedient right in the moment, right there. Let me give you the fourth thing, the fill in the blank. Be bold. Remember? Be obedient. Here's the next one. It's not enough. Be bold, man. Just jump out there. Listen, I know this for a fact. Heaven is attracted to bold people. God comes to the aid of those who are bold. If we sit back and wait, doors do not open. Things do not happen. When you are bold, when you know you've heard God, You've got to be bold. It's not enough to just pray, let me hear or be obedient. You have to be bold. Anyone who's done anything great for God is a bold person. And I don't know any other way to say that except it takes courage. You've got to be a courageous person. You've got to be one. Look, when, when the Holy Spirit, even in this situation, pray for that woman. On the inside of me, I found every reason in the world not to do it. And in fact, when she was talking to me, I felt like, is it enough to just ask her or tell her, uh, uh, hey, I'll be praying for you? And I knew that's not, God didn't say you pray for her in your head or in your prayers. I knew God had told me, go and pray for her. Touch her and pray for her. And that willingness to be bold, man, there, there's just a moment. And it's the difference between things that happen when we can tell the story, when we live the book of Acts. The book of Acts happens with boldness, not with just desire. The last one, let me just give you this. The fifth one, simply be amazed. And I love this part of the story, be amazed. Look at this scripture right here. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Now, if you don't believe in the rapture, or maybe you're just like, I don't know how it works, this is an example of a rapture. Uh, there are actually multiple places in the Bible where a rapture for a single person has happened multiply this by what the Bible says that Jesus will do with his church. He just simply, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of God 
caught him away. He was gone. It's a rapture is what it is. And he went, didn't go to heaven. He didn't, he didn't disappear. Uh, what happened is the eunuch didn't see him again, although he's on his way rejoicing. What happens is that God needed him in another place, and that's where Philip shows up at and continues to minister on his way to Caesarea. It's a powerful story. But here, here would be my question. We're talking about can the book of Acts be a reality to us? If you read Acts and you're not amazed, you don't get it. You, just, you don't get it, man. These are not stories. These are realities. These are things that the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever still wants to do these things in our lives. And my question to you would be, how many of you are amazed with your faith and amazed with your God and amazed with what God is doing in the world today? And if we're not, is that us or is it God? I think he's the same. I think maybe we're not putting ourselves in the position to be amazed because we're not, listen, we're not ready. We're not listening. We are not always obedient. Many of us are not bold. and Because of that, we're never amazed. We have a very common existence and it leads to a very boring perspective. An uncommon existence and a bold faith leads, listen, to an amazing experience with God. Here's the takeaway that I would leave you with this weekend. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The key to all of this is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't go home and try to do these things or to be these things. How do we be these things? We be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's some supporting scriptures. Acts 1.8, Acts 2.4, Galatians 5.16, Ephesians 5.18. All of them talk about being filled with the Spirit. All right, so when you drive home this weekend, I did something different with the message this time. I wrote down a couple of thoughts that maybe, maybe you could discuss with your family, or if you're by yourself, maybe you could just pray about these with the Lord. But I just put them in the notes. This is for the drive home today. Here would be just a couple of things. One, am I willing to be obedient? So like right now, if God is telling you to do something, are you willing to be obedient? The second one would just be this. Are you open to who God wants to send you to? Uh, generally speaking, many times it's not the person we think or the easy situation where the amazing thing happens. Are you open to a person that God or a situation that God wants to send you to? How about this? Can you pray this prayer? I welcome the supernatural from the Holy Spirit into my daily life. And maybe one step further, God, make me a bold person. I don't think a bold person is necessarily a loud person. I don't think a bold person is an ostentatious person. I don't think a bold person is someone who's, who's just simply a, 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 an extrovert. I think a bold person is a person in the moment who takes courage and believes that God will show up, that God will be strong on their behalf. That's the question I would ask you. So what kind of faith are you living? Is the book of Acts just history or is it prophecy? Is it just simply in the past or is it something God wants to challenge us with today? So let's just pray about this. So, Father, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity just to literally get our hearts before you and to let you challenge us with greater things. Father, I believe with everything in me, the book of Acts is not just simply looking backwards at what was, but it's also prophetically speaking to us about what you want to do. If the power of God was necessary to get the church started, then it's absolutely in equal kind necessary for the church to finish well. Lord, challenge us personally on these issues. 
Lord, the miracles. People look today and they, where are the miracles? I guess I would challenge back, where is our boldness? People want to know today, why, is it, why don't we see God raising the dead and healing the sick in such, in such powerful ways as we read about in the Bible? I would challenge back, where's our obedience and our readiness, our availability? I think the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow challenges us to walk with him, to go on the journey with him, to be amazed at what God wants to do. God, make us bold. Make us bold. Help us, God. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, church.